think we gotta be the body to rock it like we're never gonna see it again. We are exploding, the world is gonna know it. We rock it like you're never gonna see us again. Man, Pure Gold is live on the air for this Wednesday night, April 3rd, 2013. Welcome once again to the show that covers everything and anything and tells it like it is. My name is Joe Buccino, and my tag team partner and co-host is David Gomez, who's, unfortunately, we'll get to that in a minute. But, folks, the call-in number, as always, is 714-364-4721. Also want to mention our email address. Because we have so many archive listens, it's always good to get your take, any comments, feedback, questions to me or Dave. Please email us after hearing our show at puregoldpg at yahoo.com. You can leave anything you want. Any, like I said, questions, comments, concerns, uh, anything that you think that we might want to improve the show on. And since you know we don't get as many calls as we'd like to, we'd like to get some kind of feedback from you, the listeners. So, again... Email us at the end of the show after you listen to us. Let us know anything you think. PureGoldPG at Yahoo.com. Check us out on our website also, www.ir1640amradio.com. Check out our website, PureGoldPG.com. And now you can listen to us on your smartphone. Just download the TuneIn Radio app and then find 1640am and you will be able to listen to us on your smartphone as well as listen to the Internet and also listen to us on 1640 AM in the greater Newark area. Tonight on the program, we will be talking about WrestleMania. That's right, finally, WrestleMania is here this week. We will talk a little bit about access, talk some Hall of Fame, and talk about the actual WrestleMania card with our very own Pyro Falcon, who's on hold. We'll get to him in a moment from Online Onslaught, also works for IGN. We will talk to WFAN Sports Update anchor Jerry Recco from the Boomer and Carton Show at 6.45 tonight. And then we'll end the show with some PG nuggets. There's a lot of nuggets that I want to get through. As always, 714-364-4721. And obviously, definitely, maybe. There is no DG tonight, unfortunately. The unexpected and unfortunate passing of his father-in-law, we send our condolences and express our deepest sympathies to Dave, Kelly, and their family. Dave had to fly out to Florida right now, but he did somehow record two sound bites, one on the Mets, which we'll get to, and one on WrestleMania, which we'll see what he has to say. He wants to give his thoughts on it, so, you know, being the egotistical bum that he is, no, just kidding, he will still be on our show, although it will be a pre-recorded message. So the big topic for tonight is WrestleMania 29. We are only a few days away. Access starts tomorrow at the IZOD Center for four days. Four days, And then we get into the Hall of Fame Saturday night at the Master Square Garden. And finally, MetLife Stadium presents WrestleMania 29. And without further ado, I would like to bring on my my guest for the evening to talk about WrestleMania, our very own from OnlineOnsult.com, as well as he works for IGN. Here he is, Mr. Pyro Falcon. Sir, how are you tonight? I'm doing good, uh, JB, and my condolences uh, to David once you uh, see him again. Yes, uh, unfortunate news, but we still will roll on with the show. Um, like I said, Dave will be on the show 
although it will be a pre-recorded bite that he's, he um, he wanted to give some uh, his take on WrestleMania as well as the Mets. So, sir, WrestleMania is finally here, 29 in a couple of days. Um, let's talk first about access. Um, I'm not sure if you listened to the show last week, and I was pretty harping on it. I was joking about it. But uh, me and Dave actually had applied for media credentials, and somehow, some way, um, you know, got a call from the WWE last Wednesday, right before we went on air. James, I, I believe his name was, told us we were not be, we would not be able to get in to WrestleMania, which I found it hard to believe how much media would actually cover WrestleMania. But as you know, it is what it is. So we got actually media credentials for access, and we were actually going to go to access. I might still go, but Dave will be not because he'll still be in Florida flying back Saturday. So, um, sir, have you ever been to a WWE access? I have not. Um, in fact, I've only been into uh, three live shows, um, and basically once it was over, I sort of ran off and didn't stick around very much. Uh, so unfortunately, I haven't ever been to anything, uh, any of the special stuff like that, but I'm sure it'll be awesome. Yeah, I'm hoping to go uh, Saturday morning. There's a, a the, the Saturday has different sessions, so from 8 to 12, I believe I can. I'm going to try to bring my obviously bring my smartphone and try to get some sound bites from Paul Heyman will be there. Uh, Jim Ross will be there, and um, a couple of other big wrestlers. So it, it, I hope to get there. So hopefully I'll get there um, and definitely just get some some people. You know, some of the wrestlers and some of the managers, some of the announcers take on it. But sir, let's first you before get Rose's phone number. Also, that would be awesome. <laughs> I'll try that. I will try that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's first talk about the Hall of Fame class of 2013. Now, you have Trish, Bob Backlund, Bruno Sammartino, Booker T, Donald Trump from the Entertainment Wing, and Mick Foley. Do you think this class might be the strongest class that we've ever had? Absolutely. I mean, after, uh, as DG likes to say, after um, uh, Coco Beware got in there, uh, you sort of (laughs) – uh, had lowered expectations, but yeah, this is a very strong class. Everyone in there deserves it. I mean, I don't like Donald Trump all that much, but you know his uh, contribution to WWE, especially for the uh, what was it WrestleMania four and five, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean that you know that can't be understated. So it, it's a good pick. It's a good pick. Um, do you find it uh, odd, or I, I mean, me and DG find it odd. Do you find it odd that? Um... I think it's Maria Menounos is introducing uh, or inducting uh, Bruno Sammartino. Yeah, it's pretty weird. I hadn't uh, I hadn't even heard any of that stuff. I haven't been following the Hall of Fame stuff nearly as closely as I should be. Um, but that's that is an odd pick. Very odd. I mean, you look at Bruno's reigns as champion as the WWF champion and Bob Backlund, and you're right. It's really a strong class. My only question is. And, and I guess the answer is politics, but I want to get your take on this. Uh, why do you think it takes, um, for example, Booker T? He's still like in on the current roster. He's like the general manager of SmackDown. How does he get in versus somebody else that maybe should have been inducted before him? Do you think there's any rhyme or reason to how they induct these people every year? There probably is one that we aren't privy to. Um, it probably does have a lot to do with politics. Uh, I know that Bruno Sammartino himself resisted it for a very long time. And, in fact, over the last year, um, there was a promo CM Punk cut about um, insulting all the legends. That was when he was in the middle of his his big streak, and he was trying to break the record, he said. Um, Superstar Billy Graham actually took offense to that and publicly mentioned that neither he nor Bruno Sammartino 
would ever be in the Hall of Fame because they didn't want to deal with Vince. They didn't want to deal with the current state of the industry. And uh, superstar Billy Graham sort of took it, took the promo personally for some reason as if it's all real and as if Punk really has that much disrespect. Um, but clearly something was said with San Martino and Rick Skaya, my webmaster at Online Onslaught, positive that it had something to do with Triple H taking over the reins, that Bruno San Martino has issues with Vince, but, you know, since Triple H is one of the boys, that the fact that he's in a leadership position within WWE uh, makes it easier for him to get those kind of people. How about the fact uh, when we talk about the celebrity wing, Donald Trump getting in, do you feel, I mean, I feel like somebody like Cindy Lauper should have gotten in uh, before him. But do you think maybe they're saving her for WrestleMania 30, like in, uh, inducting the people that really made wrestling what it is today? Could be. Um, I mean, I'm not going to even remotely try to speculate on what Vince does and does not decide to do because that usually usually results in tears. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, really, I mean, even though this is a strong class, ultimately the Hall of Fame is sort of a joke, at least, uh, you know, compared to what it could be. Um, so I, honestly, the the picks that they choose or don't choose doesn't really factor much into how I feel about the whole thing. Dave's favorite diva, Trish Stratus, who I feel I think her Lita and maybe China might be the best women wrestlers of all time. Maybe throwing a Wendy Richter, uh, you know, fabulous Mula, Mae Young, but Trish Stratus gets inducted this year. Are you surprised that it's too soon, or what do you what are your thoughts on Trish? Oh, it's definitely not too soon. Um, during the Attitude Era, I wasn't really a big fan of hers. Um, not like I didn't. Um, I, I respected her ability in the ring, but her character just never really hooked me. Uh, but now that some time has passed and I've become more mature, like I look back at the Attitude Era and realize, I mean, she was the women's division. Everybody else is just trying to play catch up, and she paved the way for the women to be taken seriously. Uh, Lita, of course, is probably the number two during that era, but you know, I don't have a problem with Trish getting in first, and certainly not already. Um, you know, it's been enough time. She's obviously not coming back, and we can still look back at it objectively and realize that Trish definitely led the way during the Attitude Era for the Divas. Now, what would you attribute the fact that it seems like they reverted back to just Divas that don't know how to wrestle? Like, do you think it's just because, you know, Trish, Lita, and China knew how to wrestle that they made it important? Now it seems like it's a joke. It's become a joke again. I mean, do you think that it's just – it's it's back to eye candy is what I feel. And I feel like – I mean, you've mentioned it plenty of times. This is the to- Those type of matches are the matches when you get up and you have to go to the bathroom, get some popcorn, do something other than watch the match. Why do you think that we're back to – we're going backwards in, in terms of the women's division? It's all cyclical. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Vince or Johnny Ace had some hair up their butts about, you know, not wanting to push the women as hard. But, I mean, every all the divisions go through this because, you know, we had over the past year we saw the tag division suddenly bolster into like eight or ten legitimate tag teams, and now that's back down to about two. And um, it just it, it's it's just a thing that WWE management goes through inconsistently. Um, honestly, I think we're actually on the rebound from it. Uh, when Kelly Kelly was still around, that was really, to me, the absolute low point. But even now, um, as we saw last Monday, Naomi is ring-capable. Uh, Cameron can sort of hold her own weight, at least in tag matches. The Bellas have some new tricks. And, you know, there's still Natalia waiting in the wings. Um, 
So I think we're kind of on the rebound of it, but you're right that, you know, right now there's still eye candy. But I, I'm sure within maybe a year or two we'll see a change. And probably within the next year we'll at least get a month or two where they push the Divas for absolutely no reason out of nowhere just to okay. have them fade away again. But I do okay. think it's criminal that right now they haven't even ama- announced any sort of matches as far as I'm aware for the Divas Championship. I mean, they've uh, the creative team has pulled this really subtle – um, storyline between Caitlin and Layla, and it's been totally ignored for the past three weeks, and she's not even on the pre-show. Caitlin isn't even on the pre-show, as far as I know. Right now, the only match they have announced for the pre-show is Miz versus Wade Barrett, and you know, but the pre-show is going to last an hour, so hopefully it gives Caitlin an excuse to be there. But the fact that the Divas Champions left off the WrestleMania card completely right now is criminal, <laughs> especially when you have freaking Fandango on the show itself and Caitlin's bombed. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, we'll get to Fandango, but um, this is a surprise to me. I'm looking at the board up here, and uh, we're we're joined by somebody in Florida. Apparently, DG was able to get onto the show. So, DG, are you there? Can you hear me, DG? Uh, maybe he can No, I can't. Call drop. Sorry about that. Uh, Pyro, I had DG on the phone. Uh, on the other line, but I connected him. It looks like he just dropped, so sorry about that. So, uh, all right. Uh, getting to actual WrestleMania, the card. Let's let's talk about some of the important matches. But first, wh- what is your? Do you have any tradition for WrestleMania? Do you watch it with some friends? Um, I know you have to report on it uh, for onlineonslaught.com. But is there any special tradition that you have for WrestleMania, or it's just an ordinary pay per view that you order? Well. Um... Uh, okay, the, for the most part, during the year, I try to stay remotely healthy. I eat some junk food here and there, but I try to, you know, keep my weight in a, in a reasonable limit. And uh, on WrestleMania Day, that's one of two days I designate out of the year where I call it nothing healthy day. Like, if you enter this apartment and watch the show with me, the, you know, you cannot bring any food that's remotely healthy. Everything's got to be greasy, gross, and taste great, but, you know, make you gain about 10 pounds afterwards. Um and I used to have a core group of friends that uh, I'd watch WrestleMania with, but all three of them have moved away. Uh, but I do have some uh, special people I watch it with, and um, it'll be one of the few days where I get to just relax and I, I don't pay attention to anything else. I turn off my email. I, I don't live tweet during the event. I just, you know, go completely off the grid, enjoy the mat- or enjoy the show for a few hours, and, you know, try to relax. Good. Let's try this one more time. Dave, are you on the uh are you on the show? Yes, sir, I am here. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing good. I just wanted to check in, say hello. It's it's pretty busy and crazy over here, but uh I have to make sure that somehow, some way at episode one forty nine I came on live like all the other one hundred and forty eight episodes before. Well apparently you're on for another fifteen minutes if I add up the two bites that you've sent me to uh play, so geez, you've uh you know, even when you're not here, you're here. No, that's true. I just wanted to make sure that I was live and in, in person, as it were, and not just not just recorded. As I watched my daughter here eating Cheetos and taking up the floor, I just had to throw that out there, sir. You want to say anything to Pyro before you hop off? Yeah, I just want to say, Pyro, you're fired, but uh, thanks for helping uh, Joe out today in my absence. Thanks, DJ. I'll, uh, I'll be sure to fire you when you rehire me next week. <laughs> Thanks so much. Listen, guys, have a great show. And uh, to the listening audience out there, next week we'll be back, episode 150, back in studio. Yes, sir. Thanks you so much. Folks, that was DG, my co-host of Pure Gold, chiming in from Florida. That was a nice little surprise there. 
But Pyro, getting back to WrestleMania 29, the card. Let's let's start from the top. Um, the match that you know was supposed to be once in a lifetime, the main event of WrestleMania 29 is for the WWE title. Before I even get into the, the whole match, because I haven't talked to you in a while, what do you think about the new title, the actual belt itself? Well, the mere fact that uh, apparently it's been in WWE's possession for over a year and CM Punk realized it was stupid and didn't take it. So I should tell you something when, you know, one of the most respected guys in the industry prefers the spinner belt to that thing. Um, personally, I think it's an improvement over the spinner, but it's still ridiculously gaudy. It, it's just, I don't know, it's it's ridiculous. It's gaudy. I know I don't like it that much, and I'm, I'm very picky, too. But Dave thinks, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll agree here that it's not the spinner. So uh, anything uh, over that bling belt, I, I think we'll have to take at the time. So right. we got that belt, and, uh, you know, you could actually change the plates on the side when the champion, you know, when the champion gets changed. So, you know, for example, Sheamus has his plates that are going to go on the side. Um, and I'm sure other wrestlers will have their own plates, custom belts, uh, custom plates on the new belt. So you have that, and basically – a match that we thought would be once in a lifetime is here for the second year in a row. And this time, the only difference is, is for the WWE title, John Cena takes the, takes on The Rock. Uh, Rock said he was going to be WWE champion this year going in, and he is. No surprise there. What's surprising me lately by watching Raw and reading on the Internet is that it seems like John Cena is saying some heelish things. I don't know if I'm overanalyzing this, but, you know, I would love to see a John Cena loss again for the second year and him go flip out and go heel and then have the fans just, like, you know, throw everything into the ring. Am I overanalyzing this, Pyro? You think that we're looking at a standard face John Cena winning? I mean, you know, he's not the, your typical face, but you think that, you know, am I overanalyzing this? Well, John Cena winning is going to be a foregone conclusion because uh, there were already rumors last year they wanted to make this uh, thing between Cena and The Rock a best of three. And, uh, you know, since The Rock won the first one, obviously you can't let him keep the title because he's going to go back to Hollywood. It, it just signals that um, Cena's going to win this time. Um, but as far as him, like, slipping out and turning heel in mid-match, that'd be great. And like you, I would love to see it. it Cena needs it to freshen his character. But all the anal um, analysis I've seen about Cena and his – uh, his all of the things he does for Make-A-Wish, and he is the number one guy in the company. He is the face of the company. I, I don't think he will ever be able to go full-on heel. They would need uh, someone to replace him. They would need a guy to be able to carry WWE on his shoulders to be the face and the long-term solution to the company. And even that, that's not even Punk, because Punk right now is you know a heel. I'm sure Punk can do it. But, you know, in real life, Punk's sort of a antisocial dude, so he probably wouldn't be interested in it anyway. Um, so, no, I, I don't think – I think the only surprise at WrestleMania for the main event will be that there is no surprise. But Cena wins clean, at the face, and half the crowd loves it, and most – you know, half the crowd doesn't, and everybody at home doesn't. And it'll basically be business as usual starting on Monday. At the very least, I'll take a cheap heel win. I mean, a heel – tactic to win um the match like i i understand that john cena most likely will not go heel i mean that that does make sense what you said but i would love to see just him just maybe you know hold the tights do something hold the ropes to get the win because he did say he was going to win that title at all costs 
So it makes me think that he might cheat to win, and it might not be a blatant cheat, but he's gonna. You're right. He's gonna walk out with the title because The Rock is a part-time wrestler. I mean, the, I don't see him staying the champion. Um, you know, he might drop it the next month at Extreme Rules, maybe. But uh, I'm gonna go with you and say that yes, John Cena does win that match. Moving on to the second, I guess. You know, big main event. I, I mean, I'm calling it a big main event. There's two more, um, and that'll tell you what I my thoughts on the World Heavyweight Title match. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the Undertaker back from moth. You know, they took the mothballs out. He's back. He's talking. Um, you know, cutting some promos. Paul Bear unfortunately uh, passed away during this whole thing. I think. In terms of storylines, uh, I, I hate to say it this way, but it seems like it couldn't have worked out any better that Paul Bear passed away because I don't even know how you're you're making this these two guys feud. You don't have any. It's basically the, you know CM Punk trying to break the streak of Undertaker. Um, other than that, I don't see you know. Do you, do you see any reason why these two guys were paired together for WrestleMania? Oh. Pyro, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry, I'm sorry. I, uh, I actually had the call drop in uh, <laughs> while you were talking. But anyway, um, uh, I don't know what kind of uh, promos there would have been between um, Punk and Undertaker, but I think it would have degenerated down into Punk just being <sighs> his arrogant self, that he's the best in the world, that you know he's going to prove it, and the streak is meaningless because he is awesome or whatever and it wouldn't have been very interesting but you're right i mean it's 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 tragic that uh paul bearer died but as far as storyline goes and as far as timing goes it actually couldn't have been better and knowing the way that uh professional wrestlers are if there is indeed a heaven and uh, william moody is up there he's probably just laughing at how the whole thing has gone down i'm sure he's enjoying it a lot is there any chance that punk wins this match no, not no zero. Chance, right? <laughs> I mean, he's uh, it. It already doesn't help that he's hurt. And now, if Punk wasn't hurt, if Punk was one hundred percent healthy, I would actually be slightly, just ever so slightly, and hesitating about it. But Punk isn't healthy. He's injured. He's tired. Uh, we don't know the extent of it, but whatever it was, it was enough that they pulled him from all, you know, all matches for this last month. And he can lose. Undertaker gets his justice, and then Punk can go away for a month or two to heal up, and, you know, we're all square. I mean, in fact, if uh, if they really want to make a statement, they could go old school and, you know, Punk can lose and Undertaker can stuff him in a coffin and let the Druids take him away, and then he can just, you know, be out for a few months, which uh, I think would do everybody some good. But, yeah, I, there, there's no way Punk wins. Zero chance. Now, me and Dave are, are so against this streak. It's gotten so ridiculous. Um, does this streak, does does Taker, you think he wants to make it to WrestleMania 30 and possibly retire after that match at WrestleMania 30? Or do you think this is his final match uh, um, in wrestling? Well, I've said this is his final match in wrestling for each of the past three years. So I'm not about to say that again. Um, I don't know what Taker wants to do. It wouldn't surprise me if he's just trying to get there. It also wouldn't surprise me if, he wants to try to make it 25 and 0 or 30 and 0 or you know some other nice round number, um, but I, I don't know. I, I don't think this is going to be his last match because I have this feeling that if if Taker knows ahead of time that he when he's going to retire, um, they're going to set it up a little differently. 
you know, they're, they're, they'll set they'll set the feud up, they'll set the streak up a little differently. They'll make it more of a big deal, and they'll make it last longer. Because you know, with this year and each of the previous years, the buildup has only been for about a about a month. You know, um, Punk didn't even talk about winning the Taker streak until after Elimination Chamber and after uh, I think two weeks after that. So you know, the, this feud hasn't really been going on that long. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know how long Taker wants to go, but I, I just I can never see the streak ending because it's bigger than him at this point. It's a storyline. And if you remove, if you let him lose, if you let the streak snap at all, then it goes from the streak to a streak, and no one will be um, all that it, as interested in it anymore. But, you know, we'll see. I, I kind of want Taker to go away now before he gets too hard to continue. But, you know. I mean, I agree with you. The guy only wrestled, will only have wrestled one match, and that'll be at WrestleMania. I mean, it'll be a year from when he wrestled last. So I, I think he's had his better days, too. This one last feud, it'd be a good way to retire at MetLife Stadium. I mean, sure, it'd be nice, too, to wrestle one more at WrestleMania 30, but the guy is clearly not in shape, and, you know, you you got to look out for his well-being as well. So hopefully Taker and W makes the right decision. Hopefully this is his last match. Uh, moving on to the other big match of the uh, on the card is Brock Lesnar versus Triple H. Um I, I guess how they got here, I mean, this feud's been going on for about a year now, a little bit over, uh, a little bit under a year. Um, these two guys have been feuding. The, I think being, Brock being, is being misused, um, unless it's because he's a part-time wrestler with a part-time contract. We don't see him that often. Basically, the stipulation here, it's no holds barred. Okay, that's good. But all of a sudden, you know, if somehow if Triple H loses, he must retire. It's not like where if Brock loses, he has to retire. So... What do you think about the storyline? What do you think about this match? It's, it'll be their, what, their second match in a little under a year. The storyline I don't think is too bad. Um, the stipulation is stupid as heck. I mean, it, it doesn't really make sense. Um, Paul Heyman sort of tried to fix that on Monday by giving a reason to put the career on the line. But, I mean, it, it was too weak to begin with, and the whole – uh, build up and reveal to the fact that it, it's going to be a simple no holds barred match is really disappointing. Um, I don't know. I mean, Lesnar Lesnar is in shape, but as a wrestler, I think he's past his, as a professional wrestler. I think he's past his prime unless he's going to come back full time, which he clearly isn't. So, like you said, I think it's just a matter of um, a part time wrestler on a part time contract, and that has hurt this whole storyline and his comeback more than anything. Um, I don't know. I just I've never really been that fascinated with Lesnar in a wrestling ring. I've liked him in UFC. I'm a huge UFC fan. Um, but in professional wrestling, I didn't get into him even back when he was first there. That was in 2004, I think. And um, I, you know, I'm not into him now. Uh, what they're doing with him, the storyline isn't bad, but I don't know. The fan, the average fans are into it more than I am. But that said, the whole thing, I mean, it's telegraphing that uh, Triple H is going to win because if he, like, if they had just said uh, his in-ring career is on the line, then I'd actually bet on Triple H to lose because, you know, that would allow him to retire and go do his uh, corporate stuff. But um, I don't know. It it just, all the writing, all the buildup just shows, you know, the conquering hero is going to destroy the evil bad thing that has been a, pox on the village so to speak so you know and triple h wins it and i'm going to be bored 
<laughs> you know what's funny is that, and um, so you're picking Triple H on this match. What's funny about WrestleMania is like, usually throughout the year, I can pretty much predict the winners of each match at a pay-per-view. I might get here, but my record during WrestleMania cards are so bad because you look at all the <laughs> matches and you figure the faces are going to win all of them. But Vince McMahon just loves playing this game. I'm like, you think uh, this guy's going to win? Well, it's and it's obvious. Well, I'm going to make this guy win. Um, so you gotta you gotta start picking some heels here when I when we're going through this card because it's impossible right. for every face to win. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, although I do have some heels further down the card, I just think in the major matches the faces are going to come out on top. Although you know with Cena, we never know what to consider him anymore. So. <laughs> I'm, yeah, true. Um, in terms of fancy booking, I mean, I, I I always write these great things out, and I, I think that it would work perfect. I, I think that you have, you know, HBK is going to be in the corner of Brock Lesnar, and um, I always, like, hint that they're going to somehow uh, trip, um, HBK is going to cost Triple H a match because he, it's always that uh, you almost get that feeling that like Triple H always says that he's he's a little bit better than HBK, and it'd be cool that somehow, like, HBK costs Triple H a match, and somehow they have a retirement match. Like, both guys are retired next year at WrestleMania 30 for Triple H's final, final last match. between. And then, you know, the final match would be Triple H versus HBK, and then they'd both be able to retire and r- right off into the sunset. That would be fantastic. I hadn't even considered that far. That would be great. I would love to see that. That would give... Uh... That would give both guys, as you said, one last reason to, you know, go for it. That'd be awesome. All right. That must so. be your idea, not not DJ's. <laughs> definitely not DJ's, definitely not Johnny Ace's uh, idea. That's my fantasy booking, JB. <laughs> All right, so, folks, we're talking to Pyro Falcon from OnlineOpsLot.com. We're breaking down WrestleMania 29, the card. Moving right along, we have the World Heavyweight title match. To me, Albert Del Rio versus Jack Swagger, this match, in terms of storylines, to me, has fallen fallen completely flat. I do not care. Jack Swagger along the way was, you know, um, arrested for de- uh, drinking under the influence. I thought that he might be replaced in this match. Um, it has fallen flat for me. I-, I cannot get into the new Jack Swagger. Maybe I'm blowing this out of proportion. Give me your take on the new Jack Swagger and give me your take on this match. Um, well, the new Jack Swagger in the ring is not all that different from the old Jack Swagger, but right. uh, by being saddled with uh, Zeb Coulter, it shows uh, Swagger's big weaknesses that he couldn't cut a promo. He just wasn't that interesting of a character. So really he was Randy Orton except slightly better talented in the ring. Um, so this new, this whole new attitude I actually find extremely amusing, uh, but it's really subjective because really what they're doing, you know, what he and Coulter are doing is they're mimicking uh, Tea Party politics, extreme right-wing lunatics, and I – I lean more liberal in my politics, and I find the whole thing funny, although I know there are plenty of people who don't realize they're being mocked, and they actually agree with the whole deal. But that's really neither here or there. Um, the, the new swagger is I, – I, like I like his new style in the ring. He's more aggressive. He's stiffer. Um, it gives uh, his character some sort of hook. He is memorable, finally. Um so I, I like the way he's been, but yeah, after after the whole DUI thing, I was uh, shocked that they didn't replace him either. Yeah, I mean, he never even got suspended, so I, I think it's ridiculous. But I do think uh, that means he also won't win 
because WWE, uh, and I know I'm picking another face, but <laughs> WWE has that, uh, wants to shed its um, bad behavior image, and they, they didn't even bother slapping him on the wrist for the DUI, but I think this will be his punishment. But even if he was going to win it, which I don't think he ever was, but even if he was going to win it, the DUI stops that. So I think Alberto Del Rio beats him, and then Swagger will probably be bumped down the card a little bit. He might go in the middle of the card, and I don't know, maybe Dolph will come back and uh, come up the card and start challenging Alberto Del Rio a little bit more. Now, I've always felt Alberto Del Rio, if Alberto Del Rio, uh, you know, booked the right way, could be a great heel champion. This this face turn, to me, I'm not really digging it. I mean, what are your thoughts on Alberto Del Rio, Alberto Del Rio as world heavyweight champion? you think it's been an effective title run? you think that he, he should have stayed heel? What are your thoughts on him? Actually, um, I, I do think he should stay where he's at. I mean, as a face, it, it surprised me how much uh, as a face I was interested in him. Um, right now, his his being a face is a little on the cheap side because it's mostly defending Ricardo. And uh, the the whole promos now between him and Jack are kind of – they're getting stale in a hurry. But Alberto pulls off the uh, white knight kind of personality better than I thought he would. And he's added a few of the – uh, high flying and medium flying moves to his repertoire yeah, to uh, get easily sold, uh, get easily over. So I really do think he, uh, he he's doing all right as a phase. I wouldn't mind seeing it continue. Uh, DG has joined us back for a quick comment. DG, what do you have? Uh, I was listening to Pyro talking to Schmack about politics, and I just had to throw my hat in the ring because, as you know, Joe, listening to the show, being part of the show. I am I'm I'm not a huge political guy in the sense of you know I, I don't think either side is is uh is flawless but um I would definitely consider myself and paint myself very much in the conservative camp so opposite of Pyro but the reason I liked the whole swagger culture thing is because it's a character and it's a hop you know hop on topics and I never took it as they're mocking me per se you know to me it, it it's a character work you know, and I liked it because it, it was something that was relevant. Now, unfortunately, DUI kind of messed that up, and it seems like they've cooled on the angle. But in terms of Del Rio, you know, I really don't think he's that great of a face. The fans just don't seem to really get behind him. I mean, he's obviously a good wrestler. He's obviously talented, et cetera, et cetera. But I think the reason that the swagger thing may have legs is because of all the things going on currently, you know, in the political realm. I'm not sure if Pyro saw this, but when uh, when swagger uh, and uh, and Zeb Coulter, quote-unquote, you know, a.k.a. Dutch Mantel and, you know, Jake Hager, which is uh, his real name. Um, and I forget the name of uh, Wayne. It's Wayne something, Wayne Keown or something. Anyway, they did this whole thing with Glenn Beck where they were talking about how, you know, they play characters and it's a role and it's not who they really are. And I loved it because it was the WWE stepping outside of the box. Now, I realize that this whole immigration, you know, typically the American guy is the, is the face and then you have the heel on the other side. I think it's good, but I really think that Swagger being a, a moron in real life screwed this thing up, and, and I really think that this is quietly going to go away. Um, you'll hear in my, whenever Joe plays the audio, my whole rant about the what they've done with Dolph Ziggler, but, you know, I, I do believe that if if Swagger does win, hypothetically speaking, at Mania, I think they should give the title to Ziggler, although you have, you know, another heel taking the title off a heel, but then, of course, you throw Del Rio in the mix, and you can kind of extend the program. I really don't see where this feud can go if Swagger loses, and then that's it you know, what's the point of it? But like Joe always says, they're going to have matches of, hey, you beat me, but I'm still the better man, so let me get seven more title rematches a la Randy Orton and John Cena. Thanks, CG. 
So, Paolo, what are your thoughts quickly on that? Do you think that this is the time for a Dolph Ziggler to cash in if another face, because we picked another face to win another match at WrestleMania, do you think that Dolph Ziggler cashes in? Man, uh, DJ, DJ is the master of talking a lot of stuff in a very short amount of time. Um, <laughs> first to respond to him, um, I actually agree with everything he said. Uh, the only thing is the problem with Jack is that um, they're not really playing the politics. It's a very, I mean, it's yes, they're talking about a political issue, and they are stepping outside of it, which is cool. But they're not really talking much politics. It's one issue. It's immigration. And um, I, I get it because WWE doesn't want Coulter or Jack or, you know, anybody to take a position on the gun control debate, the economy debate. That's way too uh, uh, complicated for this forum. So really, if you break it down, Coulter and Jack are basically thinly veiled racists who don't want any foreigners on American territory, which is why I find it, why I, I feel they're more mocking the extreme right side, not guys like DG, but, you know, crazy lunatics. Um, but that's why I don't think there's going to be a lot of legs to a swagger, uh, a swagger win, even if, you know, even if you throw the DUI out. I don't think it's going to get much further because, he isn't approaching any of those more controversial topics. He hasn't even talked about any of that stuff. Um, so unless WWE grows a pair and decides to actually say something like that, you know, and take an official stand, so to speak, on those issues, you know, Swagger's uh, momentum is going to peter out even without the DUI. But as far as Dolph goes, um, I think it's too – well, I don't think it's too soon, but I don't think they'll do it only because if Dolph wins – that would be the lead story, and I think, um, like, if he if he cashes in Money in the Bank, if he actually gets the title, I think that will overshadow just about everything else on the card. I mean, you have Triple H Brock, you have Undertaker Punk, you have Rock Cena. Why would you want Dolph's win to be in that category? I mean, it would be huge. It would be great. It would be a fantastic turn, especially for um, the Internet wrestling community. They'll love it. So I don't think you'd want to pull the trigger now because it would just it's there's too much going on. Even wait until the next night on Raw to do it, but don't do it at WrestleMania. It's just it would be way watered down because of everything else that's going on. Speaking of Dolph, he's in a WWE tag team match. Team Hell No, Daniel Bryan and Kane versus Dolph Ziggler and Big E Langston. Um, are you picking a heel this time? Oh, yeah. Um, I, I actually do think Dolphin Langston will win the tag titles because that will also, like, if that happens, if Dolphin Langston win the titles, that'll be news, but it won't be in the same realm as those big three that I mentioned. So that way Dolph can win, Dolph can add momentum, Dolph can make everybody happy, but his money in the bank and all that won't be overshadowing everything else or be overshadowed. Um, Team Hell No has gone as far as it can go. Uh, with them being on the same page. They, in order for them to be entertaining, they're going to need to argue. They're going to have to act like crazy people. They're going to have to chase a goal. And, you know, before the titles were involved, what they were doing as faces was they were trying to chase the goal of getting along and, you know, deal with Dr. Shelby and hugging it out and making a man sandwich out of Randy Orton, which is a phrase I never want to ever say again in my life. But anyway, um so, you know, they've got the titles. Everything's this big, happy ending. So, you know, you've got to do something to disrupt it. So that's why I'm picking the heels in that match and hoping uh, Team Heldo isn't done. They're just 
going to slightly change their focus. They're going to start arguing again and, you know, maybe chase the title. Okay. Um, going down, we've got a couple more matches, and they really get ridiculous as we get uh, closer <laughs> to the end of this card. I mean, you have the Shield yeah. You have the shield basically in a, a six-man tag versus Randy Orton, Sheamus, and Big Shaw. I'll give you my quick take and tell me what you think. I think that, you know, the Shield has to win this match for a, a lot of obvious reasons. But I also feel... Um, I don't know why they put these three together. I don't know why this match is even there, other than the fact that we have to somehow fit Randy Orton, Sheamus, and Big Show on the card. So let's put them in a six-man tag. Although uh, it would be nice in terms of fantasy booking, it would be nice if like Randy Orton, for example, was a fourth member of the Shield and turns on Sheamus and Big Show. Other than that, this match, I mean, this feud, um, to me, is blah. I mean, the Shield should win. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, great minds think alike. That's exactly how I'm viewing this match. I mean, down to down to that detail. But one of the faces is going to turn, I, I feel. I, I, I want it to be Orton, but given how over he is with the crowd, it may not be. I think it would be kind of cool to see, shame, uh, to see Big Show do it, to be the fourth member of the Shield, because suddenly the Shield will seem invincible. And, you know, it'll be, it'll be a good storyline down the road. But either way um, – yeah, the Shield has to win it. And the way I think it's going to go down is the three faces, or whatever you consider Big Show, are going to get along at first, but they're going to not really get that far. You know, they're not going to be able to maintain the momentum. So whoever turns decides if you can't beat them, join them, and turns his back on, you know, the other two. And then that's how the match goes down. But I totally agree. Shield has to win. Uh, let them continue their momentum. Let them continue their dominance in the ring. And it just makes for the better story. Power, before we get uh, continue on the on these ridiculous matches, like I said, to end the card, I just want to let you know that at 6:45 we have somebody from a uh, our, uh, the biggest sports radio talk show um, in the tri-state area, Jerry Reco is going to be calling it. So can you hold on if we uh, get him on 6:45? Absolutely. Okay. Carrying on as we get to the ridiculous um, and now get to the absurd, we have Chris Jericho versus Fandango. To me, Fandango has to win because if you if you have Jericho beat Fandango, this this horrible, horrible. I don't know what you were smoking, Vince or Triple H, with this character. Uh, I understand Dancing with the Stars is very popular. Yes, congratulations. But having this character is so bad on so many levels for me. Uh, and like I said, if Fandango doesn't win, then his character's ruined and everything's ruined. And Chris, but on the flip side, if you have Chris Jericho, one of the best wrestlers of all time, jobbing to a Fandango, it's horrible either way. To put these guys in a match at WrestleMania, I mean, Chris Jericho could have been in a hot feud with so many other great wrestlers. Instead, he's fighting Fandango and maybe a curtain jerker, maybe not. Who knows nowadays what WrestleMania cards? But sir, th- this match is one of those matches that shouldn't be on the card. I agree. Um, it, I, honestly, I don't think it should even make the pre-show. Let it get over with on one of the weekly shows. Um, although up until last, uh, wait, today's Wednesday. Up until two nights ago on Raw, um, I was 100% in agreement with you that Fandango has to win it to justify his own existence. But after Monday, after Fandango again beat the crap out of Jericho, Jericho hasn't won a single confrontation between the two yet. So. Standard wrestling writing says that whoever does not get the advantage is the one who winds up winning the match. So I really do think Jericho will win it, but a friend of mine has come up with a scenario where Jericho can win, but Fandango maintains his credibility. Simply put, Jericho will be, you know, 
doing well, and Fandango will just leave. And if he intentionally gets counted out, Jericho takes the win, but the fans will be, you know, it, it further uh, increases Fandango's status as a heel, and it allows the feud to go on. Not that anybody wants to see it, really, but it allows the story and the feud to go on. Because if Jericho wins clean, um, then you're right, it's over. And, the, you know, the only other alternative I have is let Jericho win clean and let Fandango go away for a while. Johnny Curtis has never really clicked with the crowd, no matter what sort of gimmick he's saddled with. So, you know, either let Jericho beat him clean and send him away, or if you if WWE insists on continuing the story, let Fandango lose by countout, by disqualification, something like that to give the give an excuse to let the story continue. Although I wouldn't mind seeing the story aborted. But in terms of the character, are you in agreement with me? It's it's just a horrendous uh, character. Yeah, it's it's useless. The only positive of the whole thing is his nameless, vaguely Hispanic girl that he dances with, because I apparently have a type. But uh, that's like the only good part of the whole thing. All right, moving on to some more absurd matches. As we, well, there's only what two more. I don't even think we should even discuss Team Funk unless you want to. Uh, let's let's get to it right now. Uh, do you want to discuss Team Funk and the Funkadelics versus the Road Scholars and the Bella Twins? I know you're a big fan of the Bella Twins, but uh, come on, this match is uh, yeah. <laughs> Face the way and let's continue. <laughs> <laughs> let's continue. Um, although, you know, I, I, I would think that if we're, we're trying to even out the heels versus faces and wins, I mean, you could see the Road Scholars winning this match. Um, yeah, if we're trying to even it out, but that's not the way the story's going. I mean, let the faces win. Let everybody dance on the ring. It'll be a feel-good moment. You could even put it on second to last to put a space between, say, um, whether it's Triple H, Brock, or uh, Punk, Undertaker, whether that goes third to last, and then Cena, Rock goes last. You know, you put this feel-good match in the, in the middle, it cools down the crowd, keeps the pace going, you know, whatever. But, yeah, faces win, everybody dances, and we move on with life. Now, I just, uh, just out of curiosity, I, I think when you, are you write, you're writing a, a WrestleMania 29 preview and results, right? Yes, sir. Okay, I have curiosity. Just, uh, just do me a favor because we're talking about this. We're talking about. Um, actually, you know what? I, I have our other guest from WFA on. Um, can you hold on, Pyro, and we'll get back to you in shortly. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Folks, we're just going to switch some gears right now because we have the honor and the privilege to be joined by WFAN Update Sports Anchor Update from the Boomer and Carton Show. Finally, got him on our show here on Pure Gold. We welcome to the show Mr. Jerry Recco. Sir, how are you? What's up, guys? How are you? Uh, actually, it's um, doing it solo. Um, Dave had a death in the family, unfortunate, so it's just me, Joe. Um, just asking you a couple questions, if you don't mind, sir. Sure. Sorry to hear about that. No problem. Thank you for first coming on. I know we've been uh, playing tag on email and Twitter, but really appreciate it. Um, th- what we really wanted to get you on our show, what we try to do is try to get to know the personalities. Uh, we could talk some sports, yes. Uh, that's what Boomer and Karn do all the time. But we'd like to get to, to get to know the person themselves. So that's why me and Dave are big fans of yours, Jerry. Um, you always do a great job in terms of putting a, a funny spin on your updates, which we really, um, I, I really enjoy, and I know Dave does too. So let's start from the beginning. So uh, what college did you go to, and what made you decide that you want to get into sports radio? Well, I mean, it's something I wanted to do from the time I was probably five or six years old. So um, that decision was relatively easy. Um, 
College was not easy uh, from the standpoint of I started at Uppsala College in East Orange. I was recruited there to play baseball. Um, you know, didn't go so well because I decided to practice and play fall ball rather than go to class, and I was quickly failing out. So uh, that career didn't last long. Anyhow, after three years of that, uh, I got a letter in the mail um, my summer going into senior year um, from the college saying college was closing because the I guess it was the school president or vice president or whatever the case might be actually embezzled all the money. Oh, wow. I couldn't find them. So, yeah, quite crazy. So I had to go to another school quickly because this happened in August, and I was basically placed at Jersey City State College where they accepted me but not as a senior, as a first-semester sophomore. And while it sounds like, you know, that stinks, it actually turned out to be probably the best thing that could have happened because it gave me more time to learn radio, to learn some film, TV, stuff like that. But it's also where I got the internship at FAN back in January of 97, and I haven't left since. So it's kind of been something I've always known I wanted to do, and it's been great. Who by chance uh, hired you back in 97? Uh, I was hired by Eric Spitz uh, at the time. He was in charge of the newsroom. Uh, he was the assistant program director. Uh, he and Eddie Scazzeri were in charge of the intern program, and they hired me or gave me the opportunity to become an intern like I said, in January 97, and they hired me relatively quickly. I think it was about seven or eight weeks into my internship. Remember, because I started at Jersey City later than most, I was a little older, so I guess you know, hiring a 23-year-old was a little more appealing than hiring an intern that might be 20, so uh, it certainly worked out. And what, um, because most sports update guys don't put humor into it, um, how did you decide that you, know, you want to you know, put a humor side to it? Well, you know, it's it's you know, it goes back to growing up listening to Imus and listening to Mike Breen, and I remember, okay. um, you know, certainly not trying to be Mike Breen by any stretch because I certainly could try that and go back to all his tricks, which you know I certainly enjoyed. Um, you know, I, I had listened to Craig Carton in New Jersey um, when he got the job at Fan. Uh, it was something that I certainly wanted a shot at if Chris Carlin wasn't going to stick around in that role, and I certainly knew. Chris wanted to be a talk show host and a play-by-play guy, so I knew he wasn't long for the job. It was just a matter until something better came up, and obviously SNY creeped up pretty quickly. So when they gave me the chance, I clicked with Craig. I kind of knew Boomer a little bit just from his football shows on the fan on Friday nights from about a decade prior to that. Uh, and I figured when I went in there, I said, you know what, let's give this a shot. It's a funny show. It's different. They're not doing straight sports. We're trying to get more than just a hardcore sports fan involved. And I remember the one shot I was given – to just go in there, and I didn't tell anybody what I was doing, and I just kind of goofed around, and I never edit anything, but I isolate certain phrases, and it just <laughs> worked from day one. It really did, and it's been it's been great ever since. Now, explain to the audience and explain to me, because I, I'm not that familiar. When you go on air and you're on TV and you're doing your sports update, you're not on the show the whole time, so what are you doing off the air when you're you know not giving the sports update? Sure. I mean, I'm usually on my segment. Uh, we have three segments an hour, and I'm, you know, we've switched it up a little bit of, of, of late. It had been the middle segment. Now we're in the third segment. So I'm basically afforded roughly, I would say, usually on a normal day, about 12 hours um, of time with the guys, which is great. And that allows me to, you know, a normal update, you are, you know, maybe you're putting one piece of sound in. Uh, some updates you can sneak in three or four. Well, knowing that I get the segment, uh, assuming I come to the table with, uh, you know, material that's decent and thought-provoking, uh, I will write in sometimes upwards of 25 uh, 
pieces of sound and clips and highlights. And, you know, they're not always funny by any stretch. I mean, certainly sometimes like today when you had the Mike Rice incident, um, you know, if you listen today, everything was very serious because there are certain days you just can't be goofy and, and silly. Um, but I will, like I say, write in 20 to 25 clips a day uh, per update, rather. So that means we have got to be searching and scouring the web for audio from everywhere. If that means the Denver Nuggets play-by-play guy, Jerry Schemmel, has some great clips and, and great audio, we find it. If that means something's on dead spin or God knows where it is, we are basically spending that 40 minutes. First of all, we get in early. I mean, we get in 345 for a 6 to, six to 10 show. Yep. We're spending two hours researching stuff. Well, when I'm not on for those 40 minutes per hour, um, that's me and my, and my tape op, uh, Tom. Um, that's what we're doing. And we're constantly looking around, looking for stuff. We're searching Twitter. And uh, we certainly, I'll say this, I have never had a job that goes as fast on a daily basis as this one. I, a, I love the job. But B, you're just constantly either writing, researching, or recording or editing. So it certainly makes the day pass pretty quickly. That's great to hear. Um, that's, I guess, my follow-up question because I, I was going to ask you anyway. Was that is this your um, ultimate goal, or do you want to eventually have your own talk show and maybe have a co-host? Um, what, are your, what are your future aspirations, by chance? Now, Joe, you can. You know what? I'll leave this to show hosting to guys like yourself. I have zero interest in being a talk show host, and <laughs> there's a, a number of reasons for it. The most important one to me. Um, is simply, I believe, to be a great talk show host, especially in sports radio. And, and forget morning radio, because that's a different beast in itself. And, then, you know, Craig certainly has his critics, but what, what the guy does on a daily basis to me is sheer brilliance, the, the way he can operate a show and, and just move things around and kind of move the show along. I think he's great. That having been said, when you get from the hours of 10 to 6, because I do not have the ability by any stretch to do what he does on a, on a daily basis, I have done talk shows. matter of fact, I've probably done 100 of them in my time at the station, uh, specifically in the mid-2000s. Okay. And it just, A, I don't love it, I don't like it, and B, and probably the biggest reason, I believe for you to be a great talk show host, you have got to be on top of everything. Not one team, not one sport, but everything. And I, quite frankly, don't have the desire to watch every Nick game, every net game. Um, I do watch almost every Devil game. I watch most of the baseball for sure. I watch as much football as I can. But you got to watch everything. And i got two kids, and if i got Little League, and there's a, Nick, a big Nick Bull game on, you know what? I'm leaving it to the highlights in the morning because i got Little League. And to me, that's more important than the career. So that, in short, is why it's no aspiration of mine to be a talk show host. Gotcha, and I'm sure as Craig's kids get older and he's going to get involved like you do right now with Little League and basketball, football potentially, um, you know, I think he has the talent, like you were saying, to still be able to get through a show and drive a show, make it entertaining because he's, you know, he's, he's funny too, and you guys are work well together. At what point do you think, was there a point that you said to yourself, wow, this, this show is really going to take off and be successful? Did you know right from the beginning, or did it take maybe you know six months to a year for everything to click? Well, you know, I mean, I don't know what other people thought. I thought from the beginning it would work. Uh, a matter of fact, when I just got fired, uh, and I was there the day uh, that he had to clear out, and it was one of the more, one of the days I'll never forget just because it was a, a radio legend and watching him uh, have to leave when clearly nobody in the building wanted him to go. 
Um, but when he finally exited on that second day of the Radiothon and his wife came in to fill his spot, and it was just a strange day, um, at that point it was, all right, well, he's gone now. He's not coming back. We need to move on. And I had gone into my boss's office, Eric Spitz, and I said, by the way, I'm telling you there's this guy in Jersey. He'd be great. And, you know, I tell that story over and over because I really believe he was made for it. And uh, so for me it was I thought he was the perfect choice all along. It turned out after a long search that that indeed is the case. And Boomer's great. I mean, you know, if you know him a little bit, you know, he pretty much gets along with anybody. He's a, a hell of a nice guy. Uh, he's obviously got the background in pro football. He's humorous. He, he kind of rolls with the punches. So, you know, maybe for some people it took a little while, but I kind of thought they hit it off pretty good right from the start. I, I saw actually, I don't know if it was a year or two ago, that, you know, Boomer was actually, and I was impressed with by Boomer, he was able to do a whole show by himself. Do you remember there was a time that Craig wasn't there and he actually carried a show by himself? Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, I remember that, and I you know, I was there that day. A couple of days it's happened, and hey, listen, Boomer knows what he's doing. I mean, is he uh, going to be a controversial talk show host like guys like Craig and Francesca and guys like that are? No, because I think he comes from a different angle. Obviously, when he talks hockey, it's pretty apparent the fan in him comes out. But when you're talking about anything else, he really takes it from the let's sit back, analyze type of perspective allowing him to make, you know, a, a good, clean judgment rather than be over the top. So um, it's a different take. It's a different perspective. And I think if he's got to do it, he can do it. I think he's proven that. Okay. Um, just the two final questions for you, sir. I know that you're, uh, we really do thank you for coming on our show. Um, one one question that I had was, um, you know, Mike, Mike Francesa, Chris Russo, Mike and the Mad Dog Show, very successful that day that you found out that, you know, the show would no longer be Mike and the Mad Dog, um, what were your thoughts? Do you think that um, WFAN has been able to bounce back in terms of just, you know, their show was, you know, obviously entertained from 1 to 6, 1 to 6.30. Give us your thoughts on that. Well, you know, the day uh, that that happened, I was actually at Jet Camp. Um, it was one of those type of days where, uh, I was basically spending, you know, the entire day and night in Queens because uh, at the time we were still in Astoria. And on my way back from Hofstra, I stopped at the restaurant that was across the street from the station, and I went in. I, didn't, I honestly don't even remember the shift I was doing. I don't remember if I was working overnight still or if I was doing the following morning and I was actually sleeping there. Either way, I was there for the long haul. And I remember when I left the restaurant, was walking across the street, I noticed my boss's car was still outside, which at 9 o'clock at night is really unusual. So you kind of had a feeling something was going on, and obviously within five minutes of walking in the building, you could just get the feel that something had gone on and, um, you know, heard the news and wasn't shocked by it, only from the standpoint of there had been rumblings. And, you know, those guys, I do believe, like each other on a personal level. There were times, though, in their whatever, 19, 20 years, whatever it was that they worked together, that it was tense and it was tough and they just professionally didn't get along because of different takes or whatever it might have been. So, you know, the idea that it was broken up was, you know, for some shocking, not so much for me, maybe a little surprised. Uh, and then the reality set in. Now, did I think that Mike wouldn't be successful? Well, of course, I, I you know, you, you look at Mike's track record, why wouldn't he be? Um, you just had to have the understanding the show is going to be a little bit different, which it has because it's been – uh, it's gone from two men to one, so the dynamic changes immediately right from then. Obviously, they contemplated putting someone in with him, but ultimately it's worked out. Ratings are great for Mike. He's got his new deal, and um, I think all are happy. Good. 
have one final question, um, and I think you've been you've answered this probably a ton of times on air via Twitter, email. But um, you know the the whole stick between you and Craig when he you know interrupts you with uh you know when you're giving your update. Um, I've, I'm sure that off the air he'll apologize for interrupting. But is it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> That's Never. Right. But you, you notice how many people, like, literally take it seriously? I'll read some Twitter feeds between you and a fan on Twitter or uh, you and Craig, and it's like, you you know, you douche, you, you interrupt uh, Jerry again. <laughs> I mean, that you go back and forth. I mean, um, that's a great relationship that you two obviously have, correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's something that I, I want him to, just from the standpoint of, you know, you want to have the dialogue. You want to have the conversation. Sometimes, you know, you get interrupted for funny stuff, and I think that's good. I mean, you know, listen, it'd be very easy for me to go in there, and even with 19 or 20 clips, you know, and I usually write uh, for an average, I will write roughly four to five minutes of copy and have, like I say, anywhere from 10 to 25 clips written in. Now, if he doesn't interrupt me, you know, it's four minutes of copy with, you know, 10 to 20 short clips. I'm in and out in five or six minutes, and that's fine. I mean, if that's what they want, I'd be more than happy to do that. I happen to like the interaction between the three of us, and, you know, we get Al and Eddie involved, obviously, a lot, too. I think it's great. I think it's kind of what makes that segment of the show different from everything else. Because I, and, and listen, from 10 to 12, I obviously do normal updates with Joe and Evan, uh, and my rest of my career had been just doing updates at top 20 and 40 and just kind of doing them and getting out. That's why the show is different. I think that's why it's fun. And, you know, I would honestly, I prefer it this way uh, rather than the next. Yes, there are times when I can't get a sentence out and you <laughs> sit there and say, Jesus, just let me say something. But uh, that's few and far between. And quite frankly, I enjoy it. There was one episode real fast. Uh, for me, it wasn't the funniest episode, but it, there was a segment. And I'm sure once I explained to you, it happened like October 3rd of last year. There's a segment that uh, you guys were talking about. You were doing an update, and they were talking about Craig Carton's home run call was terrible, and um, <laughs> he, he basically impersonates um, what's the guy's name? Um, the guy that's on SNY now. Gary Cohen. No, no, no. Um, he works on the fan too when when people are out on vacation. Carlin. Like, yeah, Carl. Right. And uh, he he basically does a, an imitation. All of a sudden, you know, Boomer just loses it, and you guys are laughing literally for like five, six straight minutes, and then they're playing clips, uh, Al Duke clips, um, all that stuff. Would you say that one of those shows, or do you have a, a one show that stands out as the funniest show ever? Do you remember that one particularly? I do. Yeah, I do. I re it's amazing how I don't remember, you know, what I did yesterday when I got <laughs> home, but I do remember a lot of these shows, and I remember uh, a lot of great moments. Uh, one that stands out, I mean, to be quite honest, I think it would have and I hate to do this because you feel bad about it, but funny is what funny is, and we make fun of everybody, including ourselves, which we've said over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, probably the first time uh, I introduced a Sterling screw-up with a Susan bite in it as well, and it was <laughs> the first time Craig basically became Susan in the studio and just gotcha. went off on a tangent, and it's probably one of the funnier mornings. Um, I've ever been in there. And then the other one would be quickly, um, there was a day, and how this came up, I have no idea, but, you know, the guys were kind of wondering how much we were behind them and would we run into a solid wall for them, and we all in Astoria. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Line, I just wish TV was around for that one because that one was great. But, I mean, there's so many of them. Um, 
you know, yeah, I could run a I could sit here and talk to you for three hours about it. It's been, like I said, we, it's a nice way to go through life, basically laughing on a daily basis because, you know, while certainly some people take sports to an extreme, we're all fans when it comes down to it, but uh, we have a lot more fun with it than most. And it's just, it's just a nice way to go through your week. I agree. And Jerry, I mean, I know that you're, I mean, I know you're going to be humble about this, but you're, you're famous. You're on the Boomer Carn show. We've been trying back and forth. Uh, we really appreciate G- JB, me, and DG really appreciate you coming on because um, we, we really respect you guys. We really want to get your take, and it's always great to, to know the person behind the mic. So we do appreciate it. We know that you know you have you know uh, you're, you're coaching baseball, and you probably got to go to sleep soon to get up for 345. So <laughs> we do appreciate it, and uh, hopefully we can have you on again in the future, sir. Joe, you got it. I appreciate all the nice comments. And, uh, yeah, you guys got to do a show on a different night, though. Wednesdays are not good. No, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know what? This week worked out well because uh, I wound up doing practice last night. But, you know, next week we got games, and uh, it certainly is difficult. But if I can, I'd be more than happy to do it again. Yeah, we're trying to get, like, we're trying to get, obviously, Boomer and Karn on, like, to do an exclusive interview. (laughs) Or Al Dukes, maybe even Al's hard to get. But we do appreciate you giving us some time and, um, Best of luck, and we'll hope to talk to you soon. You got it, Joe. Thanks. Thank you, Jerry. All right. Folks, that was Jerry Recco from WFAN, Boomer and Karn Show. And let me tell you, he is so entertaining. I mean, he like he, he does these sound bites that, you know, he said that he basically edits them in terms of just um, to make them funny. But I think that he does a great job. I think the chemistry between Boomer, Carton, and Jerry are great. Al you know, splicing some Al Dukes, and they really got an entertaining show. Hopefully you listen to our show, Pure Gold, here on 1640 AM and feel the same way. Hopefully one day we'll be able to make it to either AM radio, uh, bigger station, bigger audience, or potentially get onto serious radio satellite. So we were talking before Jerry Record came on the show, we were talking about WrestleMania 29. We were finishing up with Pyro. Pyro, you still there? Yeah, um, while uh, while I've been on hold, I grabbed a pizza, and I've been uh, looking over some wrestling forums, and I have a sort of not really exclusive, but at least a pretty rapid story for you. So I'm trying to get this aside, but apparently um, WWE and Martha Hart have finally reached a settlement over the lawsuit using Owen Hart's image. So uh, if the story is legit and I haven't found any sort of source to back this up yet but if the story is legit that means Owen Hart can start being in games and um, other WWE media and maybe even get into the Hall of Fame next year oh wow that'd be great yeah you might be interested in that anyway um, but (laughs) Uh, before Jerry Reco came on to our show um, I I was going to ask you to do a quick assignment if you think this is interesting or not but I was going to ask you to basically randomly pick um, out of the 20, <clears throat> 28 WrestleManias, pick three or four of them and give me a, um, on your article maybe, give me the faces versus heel wins and see, um, just out of curiosity, if the heels more or less win more matches than the faces do at WrestleMania. Um, well, unfortunately, I've already submitted my uh, preview, so I won't oh, okay. add any more to it. But, uh, I think anecdotally, I think the faces almost always have a significant advantage over the heels. I mean, there have been at least a WrestleMania or two where all the faces went, and there isn't a single heel victory on the match because 
I mean, that's what WrestleMania is about. It's supposed to be the feel-good ending to a bunch of feuds and problems. So. True. Um, just I, I'll have to research that. I'm just curious to see. Like I'm, I'm always and Dave's back on the air, uh, back online here. So, uh, Dave, do you have anything that you want to chime in on? Dave, you there? Oh, no, drop call. Sorry about that, folks. Steve uh, thought wanted to give his take. So, sir, running down the last um, maybe match or two, maybe last match, um, Ryback is taking on Mark Henry, two guys that, for me, um, you know, when I look at their builds, they got, you know, the same, almost the same build. These two guys really have no stamina in the ring. Um, this match might be hard to watch, honestly. Um, I don't. I'm guessing you're going to pick Ryback here, but I could be wrong. Give me your take on this match, and um, do you think it's been a good feud so far? I think the uh, I, I think I do think Ryback will win for the same reason I thought Jericho will win against Fandango. Just that uh, in all the uh, well up until April first, all of the um, confrontations between the two, Mark Henry won them, and usually whoever's winning most of the confrontations winds up losing the match. Um, I don't know where the feud really goes from there, but um, I mean it's it's been an interesting story. It hasn't really captured my uh, my it hasn't been intriguing because I don't really I'm not a big fan of Ryback. I'm not a big fan of monster heels and monster faces um, who really don't have any other character hook. Um, I think Mark Henry's been much better, and in, in fact, ever since his return from injury, I think he's looked as good as he has in years. He moves a lot better. He moves a lot quicker and. Uh, you know, he's more credible now. Um, but this generic test of strength, I don't know. I, I just I don't buy it as much, and it's not all that interesting to me. But I think Ryback will take the win. Dave? Yeah, I just want to know, how is it possible that you guys are still talking wrestling at 7.05? Well, actually not. We took, about, we took about a 20-minute break, and we talked to Jerry Recco from FAN, and then Pyro's finishing up right now. Oh, nice. How was Jared? What did he tell you? Anything interesting? Um, just talked about his career. Talked about the boomerang current dynamic. Talked about Mike, you know, Mike and the Mad Dog. What happened that day? How we felt? And uh, you know, Damn, you gotta listen to yeah, you gotta listen to the archive like everyone else does. Apparently. <laughs> no, I, I are we going will. for post-show notes right in the middle of the show? Is that what we're doing now? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Pyro. You know, this is actually the first time in the history of this show that. Uh, Joe does a show by himself without me present. Every time, you know, Joe's taking a couple family vacations, you know, selfish guy that he is, and decides to abandon uh, pure gold, I have to run the ship by myself, and I have to make things happen. So this is a this is a first, but, you know, the fact that I you're there. I first because the show's better. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you're, carry, you're, you're trying to help carry the load. I mean, I, I can't wait to see what the listens on this show. I want to see how many negative numbers we have uh you know, Pyro Falcon and, and Joe Bacchino. You, you talk about you talk about awful. You talk about not pure gold. Just pure scum here, folks. Pure scum. This egomaniac will tag this show with the worst tags, and of course, he'll get the worst listeners. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I mean, it, it, listen. What we had to do, Pyro, we had to get right before our 150th episode. We had to put on the worst possible show. You and Joe. So next week, when I come back and live in the studio, it'll be amazing, and it'll be truly uh, pure gold. All right, Dave. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. <laughs> See you guys. <laughs> Bye. All right, folks. That was DG once again, and I see you know we have about 19 minutes, and he's got 15 minutes of uh, audio that I got to get through. So, Pyro, top to bottom, WrestleMania 29. Uh, just looking at the card, 
Is it a uh, A plus, B, C? Give me a grade on the, in terms of the card itself. Well, it's all subjective, but we're comparing it to the Attitude Era. It's probably a C minus, but you know this is no longer the Attitude Era. And for a modern era card, I'd say it's a B plus. Um, it's about half of it. Well, no, I think I'm being too generous. Make it an even B. Um, half the matches are at least intriguing in some way or interesting, even if most of them are foregone conclusions. And really, the only card in the main or the only uh, match in the main card that is totally useless is Jericho Fandango. I mean, even the uh, you know the tons of funk team road scholars eight person mixed tag match even that at least serves the purpose it'll be a feel-good match you know it'll be uh it'll you know relax everybody so i think it's not bad i mean honestly uh, other than jericho fandango the only thing that i'm not looking forward to is hearing diddy sing uh coming home in the middle of the show i always hate the in event concerts i think the song is pretty cool but don't sing during the stupid show because the, the concert takes like 15 to 20 minutes and you could throw a divas match or two in there and you know make me actually happy but you know, other than that i think uh i think it'll be a better card because you know last year it was pretty much a pretty much a one match card i mean i honestly as i'm sitting here right now i cannot remember another match last year other than uh taker triple h and uh cena rock i can't remember any other matches that were on the card last year so I think uh, I, I think this year it's going to be a little stronger than it was last year, and overall it'll be pretty good. I mean, you could have easily flip flop Wade Barrett for the Intercontinental Title against the Miz, put him on, put them on the WrestleMania card itself, and put Chris Jericho and Fandango on. That's how bad that match is. But I guess they're going to yeah. respect to Chris Jericho. So. Yeah, I, I agree. As soon as I heard that Miz Barrow was bumped to the pre-show, I wondered why Jericho Fandango wasn't. But. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. And this egomaniac that said wouldn't be on the show wants to chime in once again, so go ahead. All right. Um, the only reason I wanted to chime in this last time is uh, Pyro mentioned something about the Divas match. Now, this is a rumor that I heard, and I really want your, your guys' take on this. I heard that there's a possibility they may combine Caitlin and AJ and the Dolph Ziggler, uh, Biggie Langston against Team Hell No make that a, a, a six-person tag and put the Divas title and the tag titles on the line in the same match. What do you guys think about that? That seems unnecessarily complicated. I mean, why? Why even bother with it? Just, you know, it, it, I don't know. It just seems silly to me. I don't even know why you called back to mention that. That that was just crap. I know, right? I don't even know if he's on anymore. Anyway, <laughs> uh you, Pyro, you could stay on the air if you want. You let me know. We're going to get DG's take on WrestleMania right now. It's about an eight-minute clip. Do you want to listen to this crap? Set? Yeah, go for it. Here we go. Go for it. Dave's I'll stay take. on until uh, you're done there. Okay, Dave's take on WrestleMania 29. Here we go, folks. WrestleMania 29! Folks, i got to say that as a fan of the sport of wrestling, professional wrestling, sports entertainment, whatever you want to call it, this card to me. It's subpar at best. Now, you may ask yourself, why is DG ranting and raving about this? Well, first of all, I'm ranting and raving about this because I'm an egomaniac. And the fact is that this show has gone on. Today is the 149th episode in the history of Pure Gold. Folks, 149. I have appeared live and in person on every single one of them. Now, this, of course, is not live, but I needed to make my presence felt, so I said to myself, what better than to cut a WrestleMania-style promo than to cut a pure gold promo? 
And that is what I am doing here today. I am setting the stage. And I know that, again, this will be spoken about by some folks who know quite a bit of wrestling when this part is over. But when you look at WrestleMania 29, you know, as a matter of fact, last night I, go, I went to go see uh, G.I. Joe Retaliation. And it was a good film. You know, The Rock was there, and, and he is a probably kicking the crap out of Firefly. And all I could think to myself was, man, The Rock is big. And I can't wait to see him fight John Cena again at WrestleMania. Now, I'm not excited about it, I can't lie, but I do love The Rock. The man is entertaining. The man is the epitome, the icon of sports entertainment. Why do I say that? Because The Rock knows about business. For those fans pissing and moaning about The Rock being WWE champion, you know what? Shut up. The fact that they're pissing and complaining about him not uh, mentioning WWE and, you know, Jay Leno and all these other shows, shut your hole and know your role. The fact is that agents set these things up. The movie companies want him to promote what they want him to promote, and he cannot go out there and start spouting off the mouth about the WWE. Why? Because they're not paying him. They're paying him to talk about G.I. Joe. They're paying him to talk about pain and gain. They're paying him to talk about whatever project he's working on currently. But when he was on Kelly and Michael, he presented Michael Strahan, one of the greatest giants of all time, tied in football with the WWE Championship. And I have to admit, it looked pretty nice. First, I wasn't sold on it, but the fact is The Rock is better exposure for the company. I hope that this Sunday, when I'm sitting at my buddy's house, even though Joe and I should have been there live, we got screwed by James and the WWE, when I'm sitting there live at Hans's house, that's right, Hans, who, according to Joe, formerly with Pure Gold, we're going to be sitting there watching it on Sunday, The Rock, whipping boop and taking names and taking names and whipping boop. It's just your own word here. Now... Again, I'm not looking forward to this match because I don't want to see it twice in a lifetime. But I do think that it's going to be entertaining from the fact that, the, you know, it, we'll see where it goes. Cena cutting some promos. I mean, folks, if he ever went heel, it was one of the greatest moments in wrestling history. He would have the male population of the world, the Western Hemisphere, kissing his feet, just saying how great he is. Why? Because Cena cutting a promo and going nuts in the fans is what we want to see. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I hope it does, but I cannot get my hopes up anymore. But I look at this match, which, of course, is going to headline the night. It should be interesting, but if the WWE thinks for one single solitary second that the fans in New Jersey, the fans in New York, that's right, folks, East Rutherford, it's in New Jersey, not in New York. When you look at this card, people are going to riot. They're going to go nuts. Joe and I are going to be not too far away, maybe 10, 15 minutes. And good luck getting home, Joe. Be, hell, I live in that direction. It's going, to be, it's going to be interesting if John Cena wins. I'm going to predict The Rock retains and then possibly drops it to Cena at Extreme Rules because The Rock will appear at that pay-per-view. So will Brock Lesnar. And speaking of Brock Lesnar, he's fighting Triple H. Shawn Michaels is in his corner. Paul Heyman in the other corner. I think Brock needs to win this and end Triple H's career, but that's probably not going to happen. The WWE is obsessed with trading wins, which, again, common uh, logic would tell you that The Rock is going to lose to Cena because you have to have a 1-1 even thing. But I remember several years ago, 10 to be exact, uh, 11 to be exact, excuse me, WrestleMania 19, uh, backtrack, WrestleMania 18, The Rock and Hollywood Hogan, Hogan lost to him, and then when they, they fought again, um, the following year at No Way Out, Hogan lost again, and Hogan was the good guy, Rock was the bad guy, the first time Rock was the good guy, Hogan was the bad guy, but I think Triple H is going to win this match, uh, unless Shawn, and I, folks, this is what I would love, I would love Shawn Michaels to super kick Triple H out of his shoes, and end his career, just like Sean's career is over. I would love it. It would be picture perfect. And again, my, my private jet flying overhead. That, folks, is what needs to happen. That is what we need to see as fans of the WWE. But I digress. What's probably going to happen is Triple H will win. And, you know, they'll have their win traded. And then SummerSlam, 
Brock will fight The Rock. Uh, moving on from that, CM Punk and The Undertaker. Uh, amazingly enough, Paul Bear passed away, sadly enough, but it seems that's what the WWE needed to, to inject some life into this. The Fatal 4 was a ridiculous idea, but they threw it in there. A Punk is fighting to end the streak. He's not going to do it. I would have loved it. It would have been far more compelling if Punk was still a WWE champion going into WrestleMania. Not that I want to see Taker as a champ. But I think there's possibly a shot, and I think the WWE has sold you on the fact that Punk can possibly win. Shawn Michaels didn't do it. Nobody should do it. Triple H didn't do it. Nobody should do it. Punk should not do it, but if he ever did win. Now, again, if you know anything about this show, you'll know that Joe and I are not big fans of The Undertaker. Uh, we hate the streak. We think it's ridiculous, but it's such a big thing. People love the streak. The streak is the streak that Taker is a guy who's all about business, which I respect him for. I may not like him, but I absolutely respect him. I think that Taker would be willing to put Punk over and make him a legend at all time great. If he would, folks, do you realize that if CM Punk, and I'm picking him to to beat the streak, if Punk were to beat The Undertaker, his legend in wrestling history would be cemented. He's already, he's already pretty good. Not, not an all time great. But damn, if he beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania and he ended him, if he put the Taker's streak out, lights out, go to sleep, Punk would be in rarefied air. Which is why I am picking Punk to beat the crippled, hobbled, beaten down mess of The Undertaker. They could always tie it back into Paul Bear dying, etc., etc. Um, but of course, he's probably going to win 21 and 0, retire next year, blah, 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 blah. Now, of course, there's a whole bunch of other matches I don't really care about. Chris Jericho against Fandango. Horrible. Chris Jericho, one of the all-time greats, one of my top ten favorite guys ever. Fighting Fandango's first match, a joke. Dolph Ziggler, who was, who was riding high, crazy momentum, pushed down the card, tag team title match. Who cares? He'll probably win. Big deal. I believe that AJ and Caitlin has been added. I mean, the only thing that would be compelling would be if Dolph and Biggie Langston, who also is making his... Wrestling match debut in the WWE If he won Became the tag team champ Then AJ wins Wins the, the uh, Divas title And then of course After Alberto Del Rio Defeats Jack Swagger Or vice versa Have Dolph Cash in Win the title And then they can have All the belts That would be interesting That would be good Which means It will not happen The WWE has dropped the ball Vociferously Horrifically When it comes to Dolph Ziggler And of course We'll see where that goes But uh, I'm definitely picking them To win the titles Uh then when you look at, of course, that World Heavyweight title match, which I already mentioned, Jack Swagger and uh, Alberto Del Rio, I don't care who wins this. I think Swagger should win. He was pretty hot, but I don't, I don't know. You know, again, as someone who doesn't frequent SmackDown as much per se, I'm not sure where this is going. But, folks, you know, when you look at the rest of this card, Mark Henry, Ryback, who cares? You know, they had a hot thing going with Ryback. And, again, not a fan of his, but a hot thing. They killed it. Ziggler was hot. They killed him. The WWE just knows how to kill people knows how to kill heat. Daniel Bryan was hot. Killed him. The Shield against uh, Randy Orton, Sheamus, and Big Show. I hope Orton goes heel, joins the Shield. They can all go to hell. Aside from that, hell, I don't even know what other matches there are because I'm not in front of my computer. I'm taking this all off the top of the head. Folks, WrestleMania 29 will go down as a subpar WrestleMania unless Taker loses and Punk wins, of course. And if Cena goes heel, then it'll be an all-time classic. That's pretty much all I have today, folks. I'll take you back to your regularly scheduled programming. Thanks again to my partner and co-host, the great Joe B. This is G.G. David Gomez, a.k.a. The Daily Grind, whipping that out one more time. Signing off for Pure Gold.
Folks, that was uh, Dave. Dave's take on WrestleMania 29. Good take. Pyro, any thoughts? I, I think DG needs to switch to decaf. He was blowing up toward the end of that thing there. <laughs> he sure was. We do appreciate you coming on the show. And, folks, check out Pyro's uh, preview on www.oo, letter O, wrestling.com, one word, where he writes previews, and also will write the results show. Sir, enjoy WrestleMania 29, and we'll talk soon. All right, thanks. You too, man. Thank you, Pyro. Folks, again, once again, that was Pyro Falcon from Online Onslaught, the website, talking about wrestling, WrestleMania 29. Yes, we've covered uh, soup to nuts tonight on WrestleMania 29, breaking down the the card itself with me, Pyro, and Dave. Got Dave's take just now, pre-recorded bite. Thank you for that. And, folks, we were able to talk to Jerry Recco, which was nice, so... Let's take a quick timeout. We'll come back. We'll talk some baseball as the baseball season has gone on the way. I got some nuggets for you. We'll get through, and we'll close out the show after that. So, folks, we'll be right back after this. Hi, I'm Anna Prosser, Miss Oregon USA 2011 and professional video gaming personality. It's hard to define what I do, so I fit right in on the show that talks about anything and everything, Pure Gold Radio. Hi, this is Heather Lynn, 32 Fantastic Manager Extraordinaire. Make sure and tune in every Wednesday to Pure Gold Radio Show and check out the archives at puregoldpg.com and make sure you check mine out. You might learn a thing or two from some of the biggest brains in the business. You are listening to Pure Gold Radio. I am actress Laura Jean Salerno, and they are David and Joe, and they are bringing you all the upcoming inside exclusive information on everything sports and entertainment ever. Hi, this is Morgan Willard, Miss Oklahoma, USA 2010. Make sure to check out Pure Gold every week at puregoldpg.com. Dave and Joe always bring the best in entertaining talk radio and great guests like me. Folks, welcome back. It is Pure Gold here on Wednesday night, April 3rd, 2013. Had a big segment breaking down WrestleMania 29 with Pyro and me, as well as DG chiming in not only live, but pre-recorded soundbite. We also got to talk to WFAN's anchor update man from the Boomer and Carton show, Mr. Jerry Recco, which was very nice. And now we'll end the show with a couple nuggets that we have. And let's not forget that Dave has another recorded soundbite on the Mets. 7 minutes, 16 seconds. Jeez. Um, well, I'll just give you a take on the baseball season. It's it's one game, and I'm sure Dave's going to say the same thing in his soundbite. It's one game. And the Mets are notorious for winning their first game of the season and making it seem like everything's going to be roses. In fact, they have one of the better records, if I'm not mistaken, in Major League Baseball with uh, opening day records. And if you take away the first six seasons when their team was just a minor league team, basically, um, th- their record would be uh, so amazing in terms of opening season, uh, opening day. So the Mets start off the season like they always do with a win. The Yankees last couple of years have started off their season with a loss. Let's just face it, folks, it's a long, long, long season, although I do think that the Yankees are in for a long season as well, not as long as the Mets, but, you know, you're looking at the Yankees uh, this year. 
not your typical Bronx Bombers, as it will, uh, a team that is going to have to scratch and claw for wins, has gonna, is going to have to rely on great starting pitching, on a great bullpen, and rely on Marion Rivera, who might be, you know, he is, is his last season, but who knows if he's recovered from that injury from last year. So the Yankees will have hardships as well. Although you look at the AL East and you see that all the teams are pretty much in the uh, mid-80 wins, maybe a little bit more, maybe um, uh, low 90s. Um, so every team has a chance to win the AL East. With the Mets, uh, it's going to be a long season, let's face it. I mean, we only have look for, the only things that we have to really look forward to are, are Wheeler and Harvey. Hopefully Ike Davis you know, had a bad opening day. I mean, I tell you not to be overdramatic, but Ike Davis, again, starts the season 0-4. I think he's the worst uh, baseball player in the history of opening day. His batting average is zero, obviously. I think he's 0-22. for 22. So you have Ike Davis to look forward to. Hopefully he has a bounce-back season. He had a great end of the season, so hopefully he has a great season in whole as a whole. Uh, David Wright resigned that contract. We'll see if that you know will pay off dividends for the Mets. Hopefully he has a good year, a great year, because they're going to need that out of him. And you know we'll see what the young pitching. John Neese is your ace of the staff because apparently Johan Santana, not apparently, but Johan Santana's contract was never insured. And to me, that you know as these get these pitchers get older, not to insure a guy's contract like that is ridiculous. That's typical Mets though. What are you going to do? Um, so he's out for the year, and I, I think his career, let's face it, it's, it's obviously definitely maybe over. Johan Santana's career as a Met was um, short-lived. It was uh, okay, a little bit above average at best, but it was too short. Yes, he, he delivered us Met fans what we, what we wanted for years and years. He pitched a no-hitter. That was a great moment in Mets history, great moment for Johan Santana. But now, unfortunately, it needs another operation on that shoulder career most likely over we'll see where that remains but you know his met career at least is over so that's my take on baseball the one other nugget i have on baseball is that we almost had a perfect game array last night with darvish of the texas rangers went eight and two-thirds inning gave up a base hit in the last you know on the last out of the game so other than that there's no really other nuggets that i have for baseball it's a long season i'm sure we'll be talking about baseball throughout the season but let's get Dave's take on it now. It's um, his take on the Mets. As we sit here on the second day of the baseball season, I want to reflect on opening day. Now, the New York Mets, of course, as they always do, they kick some serious butt on the 1st of April. They kick some serious butt to start out the season. Why? Because the Mets realize that opening day is their day. I was looking at some stats the other day. As a matter of fact, the Mets are, they, they, have a, they had a record back in the, I think it was the early, mid-70s, early 80s. They ended up like uh, 16 or 17 wins out of 19 seasons. Unbelievable to start the season. And the Mets are such a good team on opening day because they want to give their fans something to root for. They want to, they want to use their, their power, so to speak, to suck the fans in because they know that on opening day, people are going to go to see the Mets. They're going to go to City Field like they used to go to Shea Stadium. As I'm outside here in Florida and there's some animals screaming, I have no idea what's going on. But aside from that, folks, I digress. When you look at the New York Mets, this was smoke and mirrors. I was talking to my co-host the other day, and I was telling him, you know, 
I don't think that we're negative per se. People can look at us, you know, there's Mets fans out there who are just thinking to themselves, man, the Mets are going to be great. The Mets this, the Mets that. Colin Cowgill is going to be awesome. Let me tell you something about Colin Cowgill. Colin Cowgill is a career 26 man in baseball. He hit the cheapest Grand Slam I've ever seen in my entire life, right above the... Or I could have hit that Grand Slam, folks. Let's be honest about that. My co-host, who can't hit worth a lick, could have hit that Grand Slam out of the park at City Field. But, again, I digress. The Mets, when you look at them as a team, Johan Santana done for the year, possibly his career, most likely his career. His entire Mets legacy will rest on the next-to-last game of the season in 2007 when he pitched on, a, on one leg, basically, and tried to will the Mets into the playoffs. 2007-2008, I forget right now. I'm not in front of my computer, so I can't look. But I know when the Mets were trying to make the playoffs, Johan did everything he could. And he gave the Mets what no other pitcher could, what Dwight Gooden couldn't do, what Tom Seaver tried to do many times and failed with his multiple one-hitters. Nolan Ryan couldn't do it. Ron Darling couldn't do it. Bobby Ojeda couldn't do it. Sid Fernandez couldn't do it. Brett Saberhagen couldn't do it. Frank Viola couldn't do it. The only one who was able to get the Mets that no hair that they so desperately deserved was Johan Santana. And again, I know when I told my co-host he was going nuts, but forget about him for a second. Let's talk about what Johan means to this team. Forevermore, he will be remembered. If the Mets never throw another no-hitter again, if they throw 20 no-hitters, he will forever be remembered as the no-hit man. He basically gave his entire career to get the Mets that no-hitter that, that he felt they deserved, that we know that we deserved as fans because how the Mets have put us through so much stuff, getting that no-hitter is the least the Mets could have done for us. But Johan did it. Controversy aside with the Carlos Beltran hit down the line, it happens, it's baseball, there's human error. The point is, for all time, it will go down as a no-hitter. And I don't care what some of my co-hosts on 1640 may say, that R.A. Dickey winning 20 games is more important, complete and utter nonsense and garbage, as it were. Johan Santana's victory, other than playoff clinching, other than anything related to the playoffs, the single greatest moment, the single greatest game in Mets history, that is undeniable. And as a matter of fact, I make it a point not to listen to anything that anybody says. If you, if you have been a Mets fan for less time than me, your opinion does not matter. That is how I roll. That is what I think. That is my personal take on it. But the truth of the matter is that when you look at this team, the Mets do not have the horses. They don't have the talent. They're, and it's not its not wanting to be negative. I believe it's being realistic. I don't think that Joe and I are negative. I don't think that we're, you know, you can say that, but the truth is we look at it and we say to ourselves, this team just does not have the, the manpower. They don't have the horses. They don't have the talent. Eventually, at some point, they will I believe that maybe next year, maybe the year after that, with the new pitching coming up, I think the Mets have a chance to be something special. But the truth is, until they do that, I'm not going to get invested in this team. Until the Mets prove to me that they're worth my money and my time, I refuse to get excited about opening day. I refuse to get excited about the second game of the season. Baseball is such a long season that, you know what, I don't want to care or hear about this team until the middle of June or until after the All-Star break. Hell, I don't want to know about the Mets until August 30th. I realize that's basically the entire season, but the reason I feel that way is because look at what they did last year, smoking mirrors, nonsensical, buffoonish Mets fans yelling, David Wright for MVP, MVP, MVP. The only time the Mets should yell MVP is if Montel Vontavious Porter is in the building. There's no other reason for the Mets to ever yell MVP in the middle of May or June 
when the Mets have nothing to show for it. And last year proved to be an abysmal second half, an abysmal three months. And you know what? Who cares? At, at the end of the day, right before the All-Star break, they fell apart. So again, not trying to be negative. I'm not trying to sit here and say, you know, the Mets this, the Mets that. Oh, I'm so upset. I'm so... Forget it, folks. Forget it. Who cares? The point is, Joe and I both feel, I know he will agree, and I'm sure that after this ends, he will comment on it, because that's what a good host does, as uh, my private plane is flying overhead here in, in sunny Miami, Florida. This is DG of Pure Gold checking out. But remember, folks, again, from my perspective, the Mets are not worth the money. I would rather go see the Bears. I would rather go see uh, the Patriots. And why? I'm a, I'm a Mets fan until the day that I die. I will never love a team the way that I love the Mets. But the Mets are like a bad relationship. You're sucked in there. It's almost like abusive. And again, I don't joke about spousal abuse or anything. But it's almost like you're in an abusive relationship with this team. They beat you. They smack you. They kick you like a dog. And you keep coming back for more. Well, you know what? I, for one, cannot anymore subject myself to this. So, like I always say, the facts are the facts and the numbers don't lie. And so the Mets prove otherwise... They are going to be a subpar team. They do not have the talent. This is going to be a long season, but it will not be a long season for me because I will not get invested in the Mets. I will not get into this team until it's September, and they're fighting for a wild card. And if that's the case, you know what? Then I will admit that I was wrong. And if you know anything about me, you'll know that I'm never, I am never wrong. And when I am, I deny it. So, folks, once again, this is DG signing out. Remember, pure gold. Well, we tell it like it is. We know the deal, we know the score, and we hope you folks will keep tuning in every week. Why? Because anyone can analyze sports. There's millions of podcasts out there, but this show is and will forever be the best show on radio. JB, back to you, sir. All right, that was uh, DG giving us his take on the Mets and giving us a thesis on the Mets. I mean, it's only been one game, and he pretty much tell you what he expects, what he wants to expect from the Mets this year. So we'll take one last final break, folks. We'll be right back, and we'll end it up with some nuggets. My take on some nuggets, some important nuggets that I really feel that we should just uh, discuss. So, folks, we'll be right back after this. I'm Lisa Mateo from the Pix11 Morning News in New York. Make sure you check out Pure Gold every week for the best talk radio around. Hey, this is Lisa Marie Latino of Longshot Productions. Make sure to tune in to Pure Gold every week for the best in sports, wrestling, and just about everything else there is to talk about. You can hear some of the best interviews around with some great guests. Joe and Dave always keep it PG, and you should too. All right, we're back here. We're winding down the show here on Pure Gold. 714-364-4721 is the call-in number. You can follow us on Twitter. My Twitter handle is puregold underscore JB. Dave's is puregold underscore DG. You can also email us at puregoldpg at yahoo.com. Give us your take, your feedback, anything you want to just share with us since most of our audience is an archive listen. We get archive listens, tons of them, not as many live listens. So please give us your feedback. We'll actually talk about it on the following show. We're winding down on the show, and I just want to give you a couple nuggets here that I have. The NCAA men's tournament is, has reached the final four. We have Syracuse versus Michigan, and the other matchup is Louisville versus Wichita State. Wichita State is one of the lowest seeds that we've had reached the final four in a long time. I don't expect them to 
um, actually beat Louisville coming up on Saturday night. I expect Louisville, even though with the injury to wear, which was a gruesome, gruesome interview, um, injury interview, uh, if you want to see a gruesome uh, injury, you want to look at what happened on YouTube to Louisville's wear, W-A-R-E. His first name is escaping me right now, but it reminded me of when Sid Justice uh, or Sid Vicious, whatever he was at the time, was fighting Scott Steiner on WCW, one of the pay-per-views, and he basically came off the second rope and snapped his leg like a twig. If you're uh, of the faint of heart, if you get nauseous at this kind of stuff, it was really gruesome to see um, on TV. I saw it on YouTube. I didn't see it live. But Ware had the surgery yesterday or today, and he's hopefully going to make a, a full recovery or close to a full recovery. I don't think his career is over, but that injury that I saw was brutal. But anyway, that this match matchup between Louisville and Wichita State, I see Louisville being the dominant team. I think they're going to have even more incentive to win this match now that Ware is out. Um, you know, he basically is now, it's winning for Ware. And the other matchup, Syracuse versus Michigan, yeah, there's a lot of off the, the field or off the court stuff between Jay, Jim Beheim. But this match should be a good matchup too. Syracuse, the way they're playing their, their their defense, their zone defense, should be able to get past Michigan. So you're looking at a Louisville-Syracuse matchup on Monday night, the same night that Monday Night Raw is after WrestleMania. It always seems like the, the NCAA championship for men's basketball is on the night that WrestleMania, uh, I mean the, the night after uh, Raw. So that's that's my prediction. You'll have Louisville versus Syracuse. I think Louisville is the better team. They've been the better team all year long. I think Louisville wins it all. We'll find out. We'll talk about it next Wednesday. Moving right along in terms of Nuggets, in the NHL we had, uh, in terms of the local teams, Mr. Gabrick, the goal scorer that he wasn't on the New York Rangers, has been traded to the Jackets uh, for some other players, which I don't care because I'm not a Ranger fan. Just want to mention that there was a trade in the NHL with a local team. And if you look at the standings right now, folks, um, the, the three local teams, seeds 7, 8, and 9, Jersey with 39 points, the Islanders with 39 points, and the Rangers with 37 points, all fighting, scratching, crawling, <clears throat> trying to get into that final couple spots in the playoffs because we've only got about 12, 13 games left um, at this point. Even Some have even 10 games left. So um, the, my Islanders right now are playing much better on the road. It's, it's weird to, to think that they play a lot better on the road, but right now, They've been playing much better than the Devils, who they beat on Monday night, by the way. And they're playing much better than the Rangers. And the Rangers, let's face it, folks, this is a team that they picked to go to the finals and actually win a cup. And this year, they just don't have it. I don't know what it is because I haven't watched a lot of their games. But right now, the Rangers are are barely um, not in the playoffs at the moment. I think Torello's job might be on the line if the Rangers don't make the playoffs, especially with these high expectations. Uh, the Devils sorely miss... Um, Zach Parisi, I think they don't have enough scoring. They started out red hot to, to start the season, and now they're fading fast. I don't even know if they're going to make the playoffs. If they do, I don't see them going far. Um, Marty Brodeur, in his last year or two, um, has shown his age. He got injured. Uh, Hedberg showed that he's not a starting goalie. He gave up a lot of goals. Devils went through a, a rough stretch. And now it's 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 the final push, trying to make the playoffs. I hope my team, the Islanders, right now they have a lot of scoring. They have, they're a young team, which is great. Their goalie's old. Yes, Nabokov is old, but they're playing great. I would love to see them get into the playoffs. It would. I mean, I'm going to be greedy here. I want to see them get into the playoffs, but I also don't want to be the eighth seed because right now the eighth seed belongs to the Pittsburgh Penguins. 
and the Penguins right now are just playing on a ridiculous clip. I mean, other than the fact that Crosby got injured and he took a puck to the face again, and my next point is that um, with Crosby's injury, what kind of impact is it going to have on the team? What kind of impact will it have on the league in terms of his injury again to the face? Are we going to? Are we leaning or are we going towards? Uh, all players have to wear these masks, these protection guards on their face, or are the you know, or is this injury going to be another injury amongst other injuries, just like that injury that happened to the New York Rangers again, escaping my mind. So Crosby's going to be out for a while. It'll be interesting to see how the Penguins do, but it'll also be more interesting what the league does in the in the off season, whether they recommend that or they demand that all players wear some kind of visor, some kind of guard. So we'll see where that goes. But back to the Islanders, I really hope that they get to the seventh seed if they do make the playoffs because uh, they haven't played the Pittsburgh Penguins well at all this year. If they get the seventh seed, you never know. I mean, you get a, a hot goalie, you get some scoring, you get a good power play, and a good penalty kill. You never know. You could get far. I'm not saying the Islanders are going to win the Cup. I, I want to get into the playoffs. I want to get the seventh seed. Maybe win a playoff series, which is really wishful thinking. But the Islanders are making strides, much more strides than the Devils and the Rangers nowadays. So the Islanders might be the team of the future in the tri-state area. I think they, mean, they might need a couple more defenders, and they might need eventually a younger goalie. But right now, the Islanders are looking like the better team of the, of the three right now, and uh, we're only about 10 to 12 games away before the playoffs start. The other nugget on the, the NHL is that you got the Chicago Blackhawks, who started off red hot. Right now, are only four points in first place for the overall, you know, in the Western Conference. So right now, the Chicago Blackhawks have a four-point advantage over the Anaheim Mighty Ducks, and you know that's interesting because you know the Chicago Blackhawks started out um, winning or getting a point in 25 of the first the first 25 games. So right now, they've come back to the pack. They've only had five losses. Yes. Uh, five losses is really good, but you know it'd be interesting to see how the Blackhawks are able to do in the playoffs. Yeah, playoffs. I mentioned the playoffs. It'd be interesting to see how they do, considering they start out red hot. They're playing decent now. Um, I don't know if expectations are them for the, to, to get to the finals, but you would think after that red hot start, this team would have to get win one or two playoff series after that, or else this would be considered utter disappointment. And dream matchup, obviously, I'd love to see the Blackhawks against the Islanders for the Stanley Cup final in the Stanley Cup finals, but I don't think that's going to happen. We'll see what happens there. That's my hockey update. Going switching to basketball, the season of the NBA season is also winding down, and right now it's the Miami Heat and everyone else. I mean, uh, yes, the the New York Knicks are have been playing red hot. They're red hot right now. They've won nine in a row, and they even beat the Heat last night. But to me, honestly. That wasn't a good uh, measure because, you know, no LeBron James, no Dwayne Wade. Nobody really played that game. But, you know, the playoffs are coming up really soon. My Boston Celtics have the seventh seed right now. They're only a game and a half away from the eighth seed. And you don't, wanna, you don't want the eighth seed, folks. You don't want to be playing the Miami Heat in that first round. Um, so hopefully they, they keep that seventh seed and are able to play the New York Knicks. And I'll roll my dice against the New York Knicks at this point. Um, I think that the the Celtics are a, always a good playoff team, and I think that Doc Rivers will always be a good uh, is always a good coach and has a good strategy. Even though the Knicks have taken care of the Boston Celtics, uh, right I, I, right now, if you you know, gun to my head, I, I'd rather take the the Miami. I mean, rather take the New York Knicks versus the Boston Celtics in the first round, because right now the Miami Heat are playing on a, a level like no other team. Even the San Antonio Spurs, Oklahoma City Thunder. 
Denver Nuggets. Those teams cannot compete with the Miami Heat. We'll see how far the Miami Heat go. You know, it'd be interesting to see if the Miami Heat, um, you know, if they falter, there would be an utter collapse, obviously, definitely, maybe. But right now, the, the Miami Heat are the team that are is probably going to repeat as the NBA champion. So my Celtics, hopefully, will be playing DG's Knicks, and that will be a fun series to talk about on, on Pure Gold. So that's that's your basketball nugget updates. As we get down to the final few nuggets, um, the biggest, I guess, the biggest news today was Coach Mike Rice, the Rutgers University basketball coach, Mike Rice, um, had done some horrific things to some basketball players on his team uh, between racial slurs, between physical abuse, uh, was finally fired this morning. And my question on all that is, okay, yes, I agree that Mike Rice should be fired, but why did it take so long? Why did it take two years of all this stuff to come out? Um, why did he get fired after the form, after the athletic director was fired? He must have had some, obviously, some blackmail on on Mike Rice, and was able to show it to ESPN. And I, you know, this morning, all you saw on, on CNN for every at the top of the hour was all about um, was all about Mike Rice and all what he was doing. So it's it's good to see that he was fired. Folks, I, I mean, some of you might know, some of you might not know. I did go to Rutgers University, and but I did not go to Rutgers, New Brunswick, and that's a big difference. I went to Rutgers, Newark, where I actually do where we do our show in Ironbound Radio. So that's where we do our show. So, you know, if DG is going to rip me next week about how my alma mater um, is a trash, is a, is, a, is a joke, just remember that that's, I did not associate myself with that college, that Rutgers University. I went to the Rutgers, Newark. So uh, good for... Uh, you know, good for Rutgers, New Brunswick to fire Mike Rice, but my only question is why it takes so long. I mean, if this guy was doing this all this stuff from 2010 to 2012, he should have been fired in 2010, not just now after it, it's reached um, the public and everybody's able to see what he actually was doing. And let me tell you, it was really bad what he was doing. I mean, I saw some of the, the slurs. They beeped him out. Some of the things he was doing physically, throwing basketballs at them or choking, not choking, but throwing basketballs at them and doing all those things like that. Of course, there's no need for that in, in any sport in any uh, any level. So Mike Rice fired from Rutgers University men's basketball team. That's all your nuggets for that. Folks, we hope you enjoyed the show tonight. DG was able to chime in. We, we do thank Pyro Falcon for giving his in-depth analysis on WrestleMania 29. Um also want to thank Jerry Recco from WFAN for coming on for a couple a couple minutes giving his his take on it. Want you to always call us when you when you want. We're always on from Wednesday on Wednesday nights from six to seven thirty. Call us seven one four three six four four seven two one. Leave us an email, leave us some comment at puregoldpg at yahoo dot com. Enjoy WrestleMania, even though me and DG got snubbed by James at the WWE I still do not have, know even how no, that's possible. But enjoy WrestleMania 29. I know I will try to enjoy it at one of my friends' house because we didn't couldn't get the media credentials, which is ridiculous, but that's neither here nor there. Folks, remember to always keep it PG. JB, for, for DG this time, this is JB, reminding you to always keep it PG. And also, remember, next Wednesday we'll be on the air again. On our on our 150th show, and because I'm in the mood, and it didn't come out a couple episodes ago, I am going to lead a song before we close out. So you folks have a good night. We'll see you next Wednesday. They call me an enigma. 
bust who J.L. Hewitt scoring. George Carl is boring. 
pure gold. Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure <laughs> gold. You guys are awesome.